0: Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC, and enjoy the sermon. Turn in your Bibles with me and also watch on the screens to Genesis chapter 19, verses 15 through 17. Scripture reads, When the morning dawned, The angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city, speaking of Lot and his family. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere here in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. This story of Sodom and Gomorrah is really a tale of two cities. So let's begin by looking at Abraham and Lot. Now Abraham, Scripture brings out, was the son of Terah. He was a man that had three sons in total, not only Abraham but Nahor, as well as Haran. Haran died at a young age and he only had one son, and that son's name was Lot. Lot then, after the death of his father, went to live with his grandfather Terah. But when Terah died... That's when the Spirit of the Lord came to Abram and said, it's time to leave your father's house and go to a place that I will show you. Abram, he makes the decision, a very wise decision, to obey the voice of the Lord. So he prepares for the journey and Lot goes with him because Lot now had no father, but he did have the inheritance of his father And he had, during that time, while living with his grandfather and his uncle Abram, had begun to build his own family and his possessions as well. Well, they make the journey. And finally, they come to a place called Canaan, where the Canaanites lived. And during that time, God comes to Abram and says to him in a dream, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abram converses and says, Lord, how can this be since my wife Sarai, she's, her woman's barren. She's childless. We have no heir other than Eleazar in Damascus, and he'll receive everything that belongs to me. And the Lord was specific, and he said to him, Eleazar shall not inherit your inheritance, but I will give you a son. That's life changing. Can you imagine God comes to you supernaturally? Especially if it's a couple, husband and wife, they, they've been wanting children now, they're so far along in years, any hope of that seems impossible to, to take place. And, and so when he goes, I'm sure, and shares with his wife Sarai, they get excited. Whenever God has brought words to me that have been impactful, and I knew it, without a doubt it was from the Lord, I was excited. But I have found when God speaks like that, that usually means you're not going to see that dream, that vision, that prophetic word fulfilled immediately. And God has brought it in such a way to make an impact that we never forget because we'll need to fall back on that word because there'll be time involved before it comes to pass. So I'm sure the first few days, they're excited. First few weeks, then weeks turned into months, and then months turned into what? years. And when you're waiting on something to be fulfilled, something that you know God has brought to you, after a while you feel like, well, did I really hear from the Lord? Was that really God or was that me? Now God, if He does speak, He brings it to pass. Amen? But here you have Abram, Sarai, they're they're beginning to become anxious, especially Sarai, whose name was later changed to Sarah. But she says, Maybe God's going to provide a male heir a different way. And that's when Hagar, her servant, she went to Hagar and said, I want you to lie with my husband. Maybe the promise that he had been given will come a male offspring through you. Well, I don't know what Abram was thinking when he agreed to this arrangement, but he did. And then nine months later, after that event, she gave birth to a son. Then as they continued to live their lives, Lot's family continued to grow. Abram's family continues to grow. The Lord comes to him again. And he said, This child that you have now is not the heir I have ordained to bless the nations through. But your wife... Sarai, who I now call Sarah, she shall conceive in her old age, and she will bring forth the male heir that I have promised to you. And from this day forward, your name shall no longer be Abram, just father, but Abraham, the father of many nations. And so he wakes up and he realizes that God is doing something different. Then as they continue, he shares with Sarah, and and she hears that God has reaffirmed what you did the first time around was not my plan, not my way. You got ahead of me. How many of you have ever gotten ahead of God? And sometimes some decisions get us much more ahead than we need to be than others. Well, this was a big one that Sarah had arranged. But God, again, because He's merciful, everybody say, thank God He's merciful. He reaffirms his promise. And then because both families, the family of Abraham and the family of Lot, who were coexisting together, continued to grow, finally there just wasn't enough room for both to dwell together. And dissension amongst the herdsmen of the flocks of both men began to have dissension. And they began to argue, and and there were issues. And, And so Abraham, man of God that he is, he says, you know, we can't continue like this. There can't be dissension. There can't be division. And that's the wisdom of God, because the first thing you'll find that Satan tries to attack in a family, in a ministry, in a business, whatever it is, he will try to bring division. People aren't standing in agreement. And so Abraham says, listen, choose wherever you want to go. If you choose right, I'll go left. If you choose left, I'll go right. Wherever you choose, I will do the opposite. Well, Scripture records that Lot looked down and he saw the valley of the Jordan River where the two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, were. The land was green. It flourished because of the water and the irrigation. And so Lot, looking through the natural eye rather than looking through spiritual eyes, he chose what seemed to be most profitable for him. So he took his families, his livestock, all of his inheritance, his gold, his silver, and they went and they made their life there in that valley. Well, as time progressed, Abraham chose to stay where he was since Lot had gone a different direction. And where was he dwelling? In the land of Canaan, which was the promised land that Joshua eventually led the Israelite people into. While he's there just living his life being faithful to the Lord, the Lord comes with two angels and appears to him. And as he sees them walking towards his dwelling, his tent, Abraham runs to them, bows down, reverences, worships, and honors the Lord who's there, as well as paying respect to the two angels accompanying the Lord. And he says, please come into my dwelling. Let me wash your feet. Let me refresh you. Let my wife and I prepare a meal for you. Let's break bread. Let's spend time together. So the Lord and the two angels agree. They go in and following their feet being washed and following the refreshment of food and and, and water and beverage, the Lord takes and he looks at Abraham and he says, I made a promise to you that through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And one year from now, from this day, your wife Sarah will give birth to a son. And you shall call his name Isaac, which means what? Laughter. Well, Scripture says that Sarah began to laugh because she doubted in her heart. And so the Lord turns to her and has a conversation. He says, you laughed. She became fearful. She said, I didn't laugh. God said, you did laugh. But I'm here to tell you, this word will come to pass. Because he asked her, is there anything too difficult for me? Let me ask that question to all of you, those of you who are watching online. Whatever you're facing, whatever the situation, the direction you need, the miracle you need, that promise you've been waiting on, it seems like forever and ever, amen. But what is in your heart, and if indeed God has spoken, is it too difficult for him? And that's what he asked Sarah, and he's asking all of us. When God is in something, He provides. Somebody say Amen. Amen. And so He looks at her and He says, One year from today, you will give birth to a son. After the angels, after the Lord and then the two angels were finished there, God sends the two angels to speak with Lot. And before they went, the Lord says, Should we tell Abraham? The father of many nations what's going on in the land of the jordan river in the two cities of sodom and gomorrah whose sin and wickedness and perversion has been made known to me and cannot go unaddressed any longer so the lord says i indeed will tell him and he sends the two angels ahead to go and speak with lot and his family So that they can be delivered before judgment falls on those two cities. Well, the Lord is conversing then with Abraham. And I I like this conversation because it shows God's mercy. shows his love. And Abraham begins to intercede for the city. Not only because he knew his nephew lived there and his family. But because there were also other innocent people that lived in that place. And maybe there were some who have not been corrupted by the wickedness of that place. So, Abraham says, Lord, will you spare the city if there's 50 righteous people found there? The Lord says, Okay, Abraham, if there's 50 righteous that can be found, I'll spare the city. Now, Abraham knew that wouldn't be the case. So then he began his next negotiation. He said, For 45 people, will you spare the city? I'll do it for 45 righteous people. Abraham then, Will you do it for 40? Will you do it for 30? And finally, he goes all the way down to ten. If ten righteous people can be found there, will you spare the city? The Lord says, I will indeed spare the city. But unfortunately, the only righteous that could be found were some of those within the household of Lot. When the angels of the Lord arrive in the city and they go to the house of Lot, Lot sees them. He invites them in. He wants to Give them a meal and that's when all of a sudden there's a pounding on the door and it was the men of the city here they are in the presence of angelic beings messengers of god yet the wickedness and the evil was so great in that city they couldn't even discern when god had sent divine being not divine but angelic beings with a divine message to bring grace and mercy to that city if they would repent but yet the men said, "Give us the two visitors you have so that we may know them carnally." Strangers. lot. I don't know what possessed his thinking when he said this, probably just panic. He says, "I have two daughters. Take them. We don't want the women. We want men. Finally, Scripture says that the angels stretched out their hand and struck the men there with blindness. They couldn't see, but yet that didn't dissuade their desires, His scripture says because they couldn't see, they got tired of trying to find the two visitors and then dispersed and went home. I got to tell you, if I was about to make a decision that's ungodly, it's not the will of God, and I was struck with blindness by two angelic beings, I think I would rethink my whole lifestyle, all of my decisions. And I would repent immediately on the spot. How about you? But yet they were so embedded in the iniquity, in the wickedness, in the perversion. They had no intentions of changing their lifestyles. And so they dispersed. And that's when the angel said, you need to get up and go. For the judgment of God is about to destroy these two cities. Lot then. Taking seriously, he knew this was a divine word from God to him and his family. He goes to his sons-in-laws, but they think he's just trying to pull a prank, joking. They didn't believe. Then finally, the two angels, they grab Lot. They grab the two daughters by the arm, and they grab his wife, Lot's wife, and they take that small group of people, that small part of the family, outside of the city, and that's when the command is given for them to flee this area even further. Because once judgment falls, even where they are now outside of the city, they would not be safe. And so God gives a word to them through these angels. He says, no harm will come upon you, none of the destruction, none of the judgment that is about to be placed upon these two cities, will hurt you as you make your way out under this one contingency that you don't look back. Don't look back. And that's what I want to talk about today, what it means not to look back. Well, as they made their way, we know there was one individual in particular, Lot's wife, who doubted the word of the Lord through the angelic beings. And finally, when they got to a place where they know it was safe, so she turned around and she looked. And when she did, Scripture says she turned into a pillar of salt. Now, what was it that caused her to make that decision? For Lot's wife, do you know what her actions revealed in her? It revealed her desire now there are good desires and there are bad desires aren't there and I don't think anyone wakes up saying what bad desires can I satisfy today what can I do that'll harm God most people make bad decisions and they begin to cultivate improper and unholy desires not because they want to dishonor disrespect God but because they're taking things into their own hands And they're living by what they see rather than by what God says. And the one thing I've learned in my walk with the Lord, I've been saved 50 years now. And there's still so much more for me to learn. You never stop learning. That's the beauty about serving the Lord. There's always more we can learn and receive from Him. Somebody say amen. Amen. But in all of that time, I've realized when I've made decisions walking by sight, for my family, for my life, for every area. For my finance. We could go on and on because we're all prey to this as well. We know when we made a decision versus when God made a decision and we said yes to that decision. Well, when you take and you begin to ask yourself, what is it that causes people to foster the wrong desires? It's because they're ignoring God's instructions. When Lot went to his sons-in-law, shared with them. They ignored God's instruction. Why? Because they didn't believe. You know what I found? I found when there is a lack of godly desire, it's because there is a root of unbelief. When we really believe, we listen and we follow what God is saying. We may not know all that's involved, just like Abram, before he became Abraham. When the Lord said to him, it's time to leave your father's house and go to a land, a place that I will show you. All he heard was it was time. It was time to seek a new direction because God was about to do a new thing, a new thing that literally would give way to Messiah one day. That's why it was so important that he listened There was a divine clock, a divine plan, and a divine purpose with the instruction that had been given to Abram. So he obeyed. Now I'm sure theologians, historians bring out that his father, Terah, was a wealthy man, but he left the comfort, he left that place of security because he knew God was speaking a new direction for his life. And his purpose. And that's why every decision we make in life isn't about, well, how much money is in it. Sometimes people choose what job they want based on this is the package. Well, you know, you can have large amounts of finance and then find out when you get to that place, it's the worst environment you've ever been a part of in your life. And the decision was made based on finance rather than what the Lord is confirming and saying. That's why don't let the outward appearance determine your yes or your no. Let the voice of Almighty God through His precious Holy Spirit lead you and guide you all the days of your life. Amen? You know what I found? Godly desire recognizes God's voice. When you really desire the Lord, David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord. Desired of the Lord and that that I I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know what? I've pastored in three churches. Before that, I was in evangelism through music. And the only desire I've ever had my entire life was not success, but just to be in His presence. To this day, 50 years of knowing and loving Jesus, that's all I want. I just want to know when I wake up that I am surrounded by the presence of God because I'm in the will of God. That's all I want. If I lose my peace, then I ask God, what's wrong? I follow my peace and my peace, which comes from the Prince of Peace, will lead and guide me and all of you all the days of your life if you allow Him. Foster and feed. Godly desire. Amen? Amen. You see, success and godly desire sees the future, prepares for the future, and pursues the future as God directs. Whereas mediocrity, it sees what is and is content to stay there. I like it here. I've had times when God has challenged me. I said, Lord, but I like it here. But yet, if I desire to remain in the peace and the presence and the will of Almighty God, we say yes. Amen? Godly desire leads people away from mediocrity, not into it. Mediocrity meeting our comfort zone. That which demands new challenges to us. Doesn't cause us to stretch and go to the next level, as I spoke about last Sunday. God is always calling us higher. What would have happened if Moses hadn't climbed Mount Sinai? The law of God, the tablets, the Ten Commandments would have never been given. There would be no Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Why? Because all of that was waiting at the next level. People would have said, Moses, not a good time to leave the Israelites for 40 days and 40 nights. They just came out of Egypt. That's not wisdom. They need godly oversight. They need instruction. They don't know what they're doing. But what would have happened if Moses had listened to the voice of people rather than the guidance and direction and the will of Almighty God? I can assure you we wouldn't be here. The plan of God would have come to a halt. And so when God speaks, He always takes us higher. And He brings us vision, clarity. Sometimes people say, I can't hear God's voice. Well, you've got to get closer to Him so you can hear with clarity. If someone shouts to you from a distance, the percentage of misinterpreting or not hearing all that they're saying is higher. But when you're up close, they can even speak with a whisper, and you hear every word. Amen. Godly desire leads people away from mediocrity. But this wasn't the case, not only for Lot's sons-in-law, because look at what Genesis 19, 14 says. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, get up, get out. That's a good word, isn't it? Get up, get out. He said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Well, I don't know whatever it was that caused Lot to be unbelievable towards his son-in-laws. Maybe there had been compromise. You know, you live in a place long enough, you become like it. And that's what I feel has happened to the Christian church in this nation. We've lived in the world, the people we surround ourselves with, if we're not choosing with wisdom, that close-knit circle of friends and influencers. But we have become comfortable with sin remaining in the house can't be with all of the division we see that's happening in our nation with an upcoming election Satan wants to divide this nation so that he can take even greater control of the nation the same thing is true of any church any organization any household if he can divide a church a household a place an organization Division means two visions. And you can't exist with two visions because there'll be opposition. There'll be a conflict of interest. And so, Satan, he knows if he can divide, you've heard the term, he can conquer. Divide and conquer. So, here, for whatever reason, the sons in law of Lot had no respect in his spiritual voice. So, they didn't believe. They laughed at God's warning. They were content in the end to stay right where they were. They liked it there. My goodness, we should never, not only in a place that be, may be a place of compromise, but even spiritually in our own lives, we should never be content to stay where we are. When I got saved, and even when I visit churches, and there are times you'll see me with people around these altars, when the altars are open, I go forward. I pray. Why? Because I know if I become content even with where I am, God will be stifled in completing what he wants to do. Not only in my life, but in the lives of others. Because like it or not, believe it or not, we are all influencers. That's why we better make sure the words we speak, the things we say are from God and not from us. Because we are all influencers. And we want to be an individual that pulls people together rather than creating two visions which is division which will cause a house to be weakened so they laughed and if we expect to enjoy god's protection in our own lives then we have to let go of what we want i know all of us there's a lot of things we want it doesn't mean it's sin it doesn't mean it's wrong it doesn't mean it's bad but if we really want what god wants We have to let go of what we want. Does that make sense? I mean, if our wants are in conflict with what God wants, there's two visions. Division and clarifying the wants of our lives, discerning the wants of man, the wants of God. Really takes the Spirit of God through His Word to bring clarity. And that's why it's important. Never be content with where you are. Say, Lord, I'm going up. Amen? How many want to go up this morning? How many want more from Him? Look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, just verse 16. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust, the cravings of the flesh. Do you know who the voice of the Spirit is? It's God. And the same thing is true with an antithesis. The voice of the flesh is who? Satan. So how how do we decipher when God is speaking the voice of the Spirit versus when Satan is speaking the voice of the flesh? When it fulfills whatever is being spoken to our hearts, if it brings unity, if it pleases God, If it fulfills a divine purpose, not only for us, but it'll wind up affecting others, and it's in agreement with the written word of God. I've had a lot of people come to me over my many years of ministry and say, the Lord gave me a word, and I thank God he still gives words. But if that word doesn't match up with what God is saying in his written word, sorry, I'd rather not hear. If that word hasn't come to me first, and the word someone gives me is just confirmation what God has already been stirring in my own spirit then that's not God that's the spirit of witchcraft because when a word of prophecy comes through anyone to another individual it will confirm what God has already spoken directly that's why it says test the spirits to know whether they're of God or not God wants to confirm he says let everything be confirmed how by two or three witnesses you're one of the two or three And if it's firsthand knowledge to you in the beginning, then God will confirm it. Why? Because we follow the leading and the voice of the Lord, not people. And so here you have Paul clarifying walking in the spirit versus walking in the lust of the flesh. You see, you'll find the, the spirit focuses on what God wants. However, the flesh focuses on what you want. What did Jesus pray in the garden? where he was betrayed prior to his crucifixion? Not my will, but yours. Not what I want. Who wants to go to the cross? Who wants to have a crown of thorns pierce their brow? Who wants nails going through their hands and feet, a spear through their side? Who in the natural mind even would want to be abandoned by God? Because eventually when Jesus became sin even though he was born without and lived without sin, when he became your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, from Adam to the end of time, God the Father could not look on him. And that's when God the Father turned his back, and that's when Jesus prayed and cried out those words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who in their right mind would choose that? But yet, Jesus trusted God the Father, even in the midst of the death of the cross. Peter tried to say, Lord, that, that's not the will of God for you. And, and that's when you've got to be careful. There, people will oppose what God wants in your life at times. They're well-meaning, but they're well-off. I don't mean well-off financially, well-off track. And Peter said, Lord, this will never happen to you. And what did Jesus, how did he turn and respond to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. And Peter was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. That means, again, because Peter was quick to speak and slow to listen. Where James says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. But because he was fast, he didn't take the time to let the Holy Spirit discern who's speaking here. And he wound up opposing the will of God well-intentioned, really felt it was the right thing, I'm going to protect the Lord. Though everyone else re- abandons you, I will never abandon you. That's the spirit of pride. And because he didn't take the time to listen and allow the Holy Spirit to really take and confirm first, he got ahead of God. And he was opposing the will of God. Jesus said, not my will, yours be done. You know, human nature says... we. None of us want to go through anything that would be challenging and difficult. But I'm here to tell you, we would not be here had Jesus not taken and embraced the cross. Had he not laid down what he wanted, his will, in place of the will of Almighty God. Thank God for the cross. Amen? Amen. I mean, how many are really grateful for the cross? Say amen. 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 Hallelujah. For Lot's sons-in-law, because they ignored the command, the direction, the voice of God, even through Lot, they missed God's blessing. They missed the salvation of their very life because they focused on what they wanted above what God was saying. And the same thing, you know, it can happen to you and I. We can become so consumed with what we want. We miss what God is really doing and that's when Satan will follow up with a barrage of distractions the devil is infamous for sending distractions distractions in the home on the job the devil will send anything or anyone to cause confusion and distraction we see this with Lot's wife look at Genesis 19 26 But his wife, Lot's wife, looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. What was she doing when she looked back? God had left through these angels. She had already heard, not witnessed at first, but heard what was happening. She knew something divine, the word of God was coming to pass. But yet there was still a part of her, a desire that distracted her, to disbelieve and fully obey what God was saying. She looked back because she wanted to see what she had. And when you look at what you had, then you're also aware of what you're losing. Why? Again, it's all about me. When we're looking ahead to God, we're trusting Him with our future. There may be a removal of one thing, but there'll be an addition of something else that's divinely given. She looked back at what she had. She looked back at what she was losing. She was distracted by what? Her past. Her past. Our past can really be an enemy. Not only our mistakes and failures. But sometimes our past? Because maybe we've seen one thing at one place, done one thing at another. And we feel that's God's formula for how things should be in our life or places where we're a part of, for our children, whatever it might be. Because we have things in the past we can reference then we feel like that should still be in the present. And if people aren't doing what you've seen work in the past, and they're not doing it in the present, well, they're missing God. They're not hearing from God. The past can be an enemy, and it can be a blessing. Yes, we can learn from our past, but we don't live in it. And if your past, my past, any of us, those of you watching online, if your past is distracting you, then you need to focus forward. What do you mean focus forward? Do you know you can't drive a car safely if you're looking back all the time? That's why you've probably heard it said, you know, don't focus on the, uh, focus on the windshield, not on the rearview mirror. Can you imagine if you pulled up to a traffic light and there you are right next to two lanes on the side of the road you're a part of and you look over at the car on the left and they're like this. Here you are, like this, but for a moment, like this, but then they're like this. Then the car behind them, because you're stopped at a traffic light, sees them like this, looking at the rear view mirror, looking at them in that mirror. Then the light turns green, you're on the right, you go forward and say, hallelujah, I can get in front of them now. And they're still there until the car behind them hunks the horn. Why? Because you can't drive safely and there's no forward motion. If you're constantly looking back and viewing life and driving your vehicle from the rearview mirror. And the same is true as we follow the ways and purposes of God. Paul talks about this in Philippians 3.13. He says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward. Everybody say forward. Reaching forward to those things. Plural. Because it applies to many Facets of life, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Don't be distracted by your past. So many times God said, behold, I do a new thing. Well, that new thing may not be a part of your past, so you refuse to allow it into your present. Well, it's never been done that way. I haven't seen it there. there, There have been times when people over my many years of pastoring, over 40 years, where they've come into the churches I've been leading, and then they want to bring all all of the DNA of their previous church into this church or my previous churches. And they may be good and godly things, but it may not be what God is saying for that church, but it was for their former church. People who have had past relationships, for a man, he knows who the perfect woman would be for his life, at least the character traits. And for a woman, the perfect man for her life. And then they had one relationship that was very special, but for whatever reason, it ended. Maybe through death, maybe through divorce, whatever, but there were certain things that you appreciated and that you were comfortable with. But if you bring the relationships of the past into something new that God is doing in your life, it can be a detriment and it can rob you. Allow God to do what he wants, a new thing, something you don't expect, something you never thought of, but God thought of it even before you were born. Amen? Amen. God is doing something special in your lives. He is, just as he was doing a new thing the life of Abraham, and had Lot had learned how to walk in the Spirit rather than by the flesh, do you know he could have saved himself a lot of heartache? I'm sure he learned from his heartache, but wouldn't it be better if we didn't have to walk through it at all? I know that's what I would embrace. That's what I would desire. In the very end, only Lot and his two daughters survived God's judgment. Abraham had prayed for ten, but in the end there was only three. They believed what God said. That's why they obeyed. Obedience, do you know what it is in every aspect of your life, in your walk with God? Obedience is the fruit of believing. Unbelievers, what are they? People who don't believe. So they don't obey because they don't really believe. They don't give their hearts to Christ because they don't believe he is Messiah. They don't believe they need a Savior. They don't follow and pursue the will of God because they don't believe. They won't take that step of faith because they don't believe. And when God is speaking, not to obey is the sin of unbelief. Only Lot and his two daughters believed. I love what God says to the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That's a sobering statement, isn't it? It's like the old country song, you're always on my mind. God's thinking about you. Did you hear me? He thinks, oh, I can't imagine what he thinks. Well, he clarifies. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace, and not of evil. Here's the promise. Hang your hat on it. To give you a future and a hope. Wow. That's what God thinks about you. Those of you who are worshiping online, that's what He thinks about you. I'm so grateful. That's what He thinks of Cindy, our children grandchildren, our sons-in-law, and my life, to give us hope, to give us a future. You know what hope is? In the Greek, it's defined as confident expectation. You can face your future with confidence and with expectancy. That is huge. So let me ask the question, what are you focused on? not my will but yours are you focused on your past your failures your mistakes your regrets or maybe your agenda because every relationship you step into it doesn't meet your agenda or every church you're part of it doesn't meet your agenda what are you focused on God is saying behold I do a new thing let's go to the next level let's hear his voice Do you know there's more power waiting in your future than the history of your past? Did you hear that? Let me say that again. There's more power waiting in your future than the history of your past. Some of my history I like. In fact, some of my history I just love it. But there's some of my history I regret. Can't live life and not have regrets. But then when we understand When God spoke through Paul, Romans 8, 28, he said all things work together for good. Now the all things can't apply to just the good things because we know that works for good. But even those things, if we could have a do-over, we'd take it. Paul says all things work together for good. Why? Because God already knew what we would choose before we chose. And into his master plan, he has weaved that pathway your way back to him and your way up to him at a higher level of intimacy relationship commitment and even service all things work together for good for those here's the here's the catch that love the lord you gotta love him all things don't work together for good and you're just out completely devoid of any love and commitment to god But in your heart, deep at the foundation, you love him. Or maybe you don't know him and you're ready to make a commitment to him. That God will take your past and he will use that for good. Joseph's brothers, after they had sold him into slavery, they had no idea that Joseph had become the prince of Egypt. And then finally when they saw, they feared for their lives. But then Joseph responded. Because while he was in bondage, God was breaking the chains spiritually in his life so that he would be truly in character and practice, a man of integrity, a righteous man, a godly man. And Joseph turned to his brothers who had unjustly treated him. And he said, that which was intended for evil, God has used for good. All things were." God always finishes what He starts. Amen? That means He hasn't given up on you. Maybe you've given up on yourself, but He has not given up on you. So what is my encouragement? God has something new for you, but here's the clincher. Here's the contingency. Don't look back. Did you hear me? Don't look back. Follow the cloud by day and the fire by night all grounded in his unchanging unfailing written word amen that's all God gave me today I would be remiss if I didn't give not only those in this auditorium but those of you who are watching online I would be remiss if I did not provide you with the opportunity to embrace God has given you today through his word without an opportunity to commit your life to Jesus Christ. See, at the end of the day, it takes God's strength for us not to look back and to move forward. And he wants to help us in this journey called life. And the way he has helped us is when 2,000 years ago he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place all of the promises that were given to Abraham were fulfilled through Jesus Christ and we see it continuing even to this day so I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer and if anyone in this auditorium has never prayed this prayer then you pray this prayer after me out loud for those of you who know the Lord pray this prayer in agreement as an encouragement to those who are praying it for the first time not only those here but the many who are watching and worshiping online. Pray this prayer to encourage them as they agree with all of you and with me. Amen? Amen. Just close your eyes nice and loud with authority. Repeat after me this sinner's prayer. Dear God, God, I know I'm a sinner. I need deliverance. I deliverance. I I need forgiveness. I need help. So right now I confess with my mouth I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and the only Lord. I invite Him into my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me of all my sins. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. And from this day forward I commit to forging forward, living my life for you. In Jesus' name, my sins are forgiven. I'm born again. Amen. Give God praise. Come on. Give Him praise. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.